Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious fathers, we come before you this day. We are so thankful for your blessings to us. It's easy for us, Lord, to become wrapped up in the, in the way that the world thinks and, and to forget about the way that you call us to think. And so remind us in your word how it is that you call us to think and to live in our lives today, how you call us to interact with the world around us. Lord, again, uh, in all things, may your spirit direct us and guide us so that we might be your people in the way that we think and speak and act and live. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are those scriptures that I remember well. And, and I got to tell you, today's gospel lesson is one of those because uh, as I look at this, it was the text that I was assigned way back in the seminary in what they called homiletics class. This was the text I was assigned to write my very first sermon. And I went back and I dug it out of the files and I looked at it. And it was typed out and I could even see the white out and some handwritten corrections and things. And I thought, wow, we have come a long way since the dinosaurs. That's what the kids tease me. But it, it, I, I read it through and I said, oh, it wasn't bad for a first sermon. So, so here goes. Just kidding. I'm, I can't use the same one. But what we do see in our gospel lessons, we see this example of the master of, of a vineyard, the owner of a vineyard, who goes out and he goes out into the marketplace to hire the hands. And that tells us that this is a time of the year, uh, perhaps around uh, the harvest time where the grapes are being brought in, or maybe it's that time where the vines need a lot of extra work and stuff, and so uh, they're there. Uh, but he needs these extra hands. And when you needed extra hands, you went to the marketplace and you found the laborers. And he finds these laborers and he agrees with them to pay them a, a denarius for a day's work. Now, you got to know, a day's work in those days was not eight hours, it was 12 hours. It was essentially from sunrise to sunset. Uh, and, and so they're going out and to work a full day, and you got a denarius a, a day's wages. And so he joins with all the other workers in the field. Uh, but as he looks at the work needed to be done, and he goes back in, and he sees people still at the marketplace, what does he do? Uh, he hires some more people and says, come work. Come work in the vineyard. And we read that he does that at about three-hour intervals. He does it at the ninth hour, and then, the, you know, I mean, excuse me, the, the third hour, and the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. And then even before the very end of the day, what he does is he goes out and he hires more workers for the harvest. Well, then it comes time to pay them at the end of the day. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. And, and if you've been following along on Sunday mornings with the parables in the Bible class that's uh, being taught online, you'll know that a parable is an earthly story with some uh, central heavenly truths that we need to learn. And, and, and so here's where we begin to learn what's going on here. So he calls them to pay them, and he says to his foreman, I want you to pay him from the last one hired. So the one who worked only one hour wants you to pay him first, and then so on and so forth. And so that's what begins to happen. The one who's only working an hour gets paid a full denarius. 
Now, it's only natural for us in our human way of thinking to say then that, wow, I worked the whole day, I'm going to get a whole lot more. Let's see here. Uh, I agreed for a denarius, but if, if, if the guy who worked an hour got paid a denarius, let's see, I worked 12 hours, I should be getting 12 of them. Well, that doesn't happen. In fact, each worker who worked gets a denarius, whether they worked for one hour or three hours or six hours or nine hours or 12 hours, and those who were hired first begin to grumble and complain. Now you can imagine what they're saying. I'll turn it into the language of today a little bit. That's not fair. How many of you have heard those words before, or maybe you've even uttered them at times in your life to your parents or your grandparents or whoever? We probably all have. Uh, I'm mindful of the fact that when I was uh, younger and I would say, that's not fair, or my sister or brother would say it, uh, my mother always had the same line. Life's not fair. Deal with it. I really didn't like that. But as I've grown older, I don't know about wiser, but older, it's true. Life isn't fair. Well, I think that's the first thing that Jesus is trying to teach us. Life isn't fair. So how are you going to deal with it? What are you going to do? The second thing that we're beginning to learn here is that, that God's economic system, if you will, is different from ours. Because what we're talking about here is the whole gift of salvation, and all of salvation belongs to God. And if we look at salvation, that salvation that comes to us by the cross of Christ, then we need to understand that Christ died for all. Uh, he died for those who have been Christian their whole lives, believers their whole lives, and he died for those who come to faith in the last hour of their life while they're lying on their deathbed. And as Christians, we could say, that's not fair. I've been toiling and working for Jesus my whole life. I've been serving him my whole life. And the person who hasn't even had a chance to serve him but comes to faith in the last moments of his life still gets heaven? Can you imagine what Jesus would think of us if that was our heart and that our attitude? Because that's the way the world thinks. It's not the way that he calls us to think. He reminds us that, that sometimes we are going to labor hard and long in the heat of the day and that it's going to be a toil and, and that uh, at the end of it, salvation's the same because you see, salvation's, uh, you know, unlike the parable, the denarius, salvation is not the reward or the pay in, the, in terms of what we earned. Salvation comes by the cross of Christ who died for each and every one of us who died for the sins of the whole world. It's a free gift. And as the text says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me or do you begrudge my generosity? It's God's to give to whom he will, to give to those who believe. And yet what Jesus is reminding us is that and when we do have those lives of faith and we come to faith sometime during our life, that we are workers in the vineyard. And that we do serve. And it's not always easy. 
And sometimes it's hard. All you got to do is look at our epistle lesson today and what do we see? We see there that Paul is in prison while he's writing. And he's telling his people, hey, I'm in prison, but you know what? My being in prison has actually encouraged other people. It's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And so even when the work is hard in the vineyard, people should know who we are as Christians. And I will tell you that the work in the vineyard, that is the work in this world, is becoming increasingly hard. It's not an easy world today. And the persecutions against Christianity are on the rise. And we see what's happening. We see what's happening in our culture. The way people think. And it's not just the riots and all of that kind of stuff that's going on. It's not just the anti-police sentiment that's going on. It's blatant, outright other things. It's attitudes towards human life. To take the lives of, of unborn children. Or in some places, even if they're born but unwanted, to leave them out to die. People think that that's okay. And then I read that in California, they've essentially legalized pedophilia. And people think that's okay. That's the kind of world we live in. And when we start to hold up Christian values and biblical uh, principles, then the world says, ah, those don't matter anymore. And if you don't believe me, just watch what happens in the coming weeks when they start to uh, grill a, an appointee to the Supreme Court seat. Because I guarantee you that religion will be an issue and that someone who is too Catholic or too Christian, well, let's just say they won't be liked by so many. We've seen it happen before and it's becoming worse. And we Christians, we've lived through some of this and we're living now and we think that, oh, if we just ignore it, it'll go away or if we just pull the right lever at the, well, we don't have levers here in New Mexico. If we just uh, fill in the right circle, it'll get better. We put our heads into the sand and we forget that the only way things get better is by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it's only Christ who brings together people with a heart of peace and of understanding of what God's will is. And so like Paul in our epistle lesson today, we need to be bold in our faith. We need to be a people who understand what it means to, to have confidence, to do and to say what is right in our world. To not hide because we're afraid that people might attack us because of our faith. And that could happen. I mean, we hear about it. So what do we do? 
We continue to stand firm for Christ. We're bold for Christ. We don't shy away from him. We don't shy away from acknowledging him, but we find our boldness in Christ and we are bold uh, to those around us with the love of Christ. Pastor, I don't know if I could do that because people might attack me. They might not just attack you, but it's coming to that point where you might even be tossed into jail just like Paul was for your faith. Because some of the things that we teach and we say as Christians are beginning to be defined as hate crimes in this world. And that's sad. And it's scary. But it could happen. And so Paul reminds us that we live for Christ and we die in Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. And what he was struggling with is, you know, uh, jail's hard. Um, But if they put me to death, I'm okay because I'm going to be home with Jesus in heaven. I still gain. What can the world do to me? And yet Paul, as he continues on, reminds us to pull together, to be that one body in Christ, to be people of different cultures and backgrounds, of languages and nations, to stand together for the truth of who Jesus Christ is in the gospel, to stand firm on our faith every day in our lives, knowing again that our salvation is found in no other name than the name of Jesus. I hate to tell people in the midst of this political world, your salvation is not found in Joe Biden and your salvation is not found in Donald Trump. If you think it is, you're in sorry shape. Salvation is not found in the politics of our world. It's found in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ on the cross upon which he died for you and for me. And that's what we need to proclaim and that's what we need to uphold. And we pray for God's wisdom to prevail in this country, especially during an election season. But our country is so divided that I have a feeling that no matter how it turns out, there's going to be riots and protesting. And that's sad. The only thing that can bring healing is the gospel. And what are we willing to endure for the sake of the gospel? Are we willing to endure... The chains that Paul endured? Are we willing to suffer all, even death, if it comes to that point? To stand for the cross of Jesus in a way that people know that that's where our heart is and that's where our joy is and that's where our salvation is? To stand in a way that gives testimony to those who are all around us to an unbelieving world? Jesus himself confronted the Pharisees. He challenged what they were thinking, and he paid the price on a cross. We, we have opportunity in this world and in this culture to also give witness to Jesus Christ, to stand firm, and to know that it's not about more or less. It's not about getting paid a denarius for a whole day or 12 denariuses for a whole day. It's not about the gain of this world. It's all about salvation. It's all about knowing Christ and living Christ and sharing Christ. The world needs to hear the truth of God's word. 
It's the only way that things are going to be called back. It's the only way that we're going to find a true peace and bring people together. Pray. Spend the next 40 some days before our election praying. Spend every day praying for our culture and for people to know who Christ is and to know the truth of God's word so that they too might enjoy the promises and the hope of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen. By the way, that was not the same sermon from 30-some years ago. Why? God's word never changes, but our times do, and the application of it does. And we need to pay attention to that in our world today. Let's stand as we're able and join together in confessing our common Christian faith in the ancient words of the Apostles' Creed.